Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So we're talking about having strong faith. Everyone says strong faith. So then in, um, in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it talks about Abraham, who was 100 years old. 25 years earlier, he was called by God, but then he was given a promise, you're going to have a child. His wife was barren. He could have children, he was fertile. Even when he, his wife died, he remarried, and he was able to have kids again. It was his wife that was barren. But, but the, the point is, between them, they could not produce kids. They'd had years, decades of lovemaking and they'd still not produced kids, yeah? So he knows it's not, nothing's working. And well, it's what Sam was saying tonight, sometimes we're, this, we're here, there and everywhere trying to make something work that's not working. When you're doing that, it's time to stop, be still and look up and God can tell you where to move. The point of being still in God's presence is that he can redirect you. We've got to stop trying to do the things that we're trying to change and it's not changing and it's like, stop. You, you know, the, the test of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So by that definition, we're all mad. <laughs> so it's, there's a scripture I'm about to bring and it's about Abraham where God says, you're going to have a baby. And he's like, that's impossible. And so God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham means father of many nations. And so his wife would call for him. She'd make him a, a brew, because they were an Hebrew. Eh? Can, you use, can you use that? That's for free. That'll help you today. It'll set you free, that. Just one thought, set you free. So she's going to make him, she said, do you want a, Abraham, do you want a brew? He says, what, do you want a brew? He goes, what? She goes, do you want a brew? I went, yeah, I'll have a brew. So, any Peter K fans here? So, but when she calls his name, she says, Abraham, we, we hear Abraham, Hebrews heard, father of many nations. Father of many nations. Do you want, is it two sugars or one? You're always on one of these diets, you old gimme. What? You, father of many and he turns around and he goes mother of many she's barren mother of many you know neighbours are busting the guts going they're really losing it what a shame is there a home we can put them in what a shame they're losing it big style mother of many she hasn't even got one mother of many nations you know I take two sugars and you're late so, you know, a bit of, bit of banter going on. What, why did God do that? It's because every time he heard Father of Many Nations, it hit him. Why? Because it's God's word, his prophetic word, his now word. That's a prophetic word where God brings your future into your present and speaks it to you. And he says, Father of Many Nations. He goes, me? And he goes, yeah, God. You know I'm proficient at this, and you know that my sperm can is, is okay. But we have tried, and it hasn't worked. 
And God's saying, I know. And he says, and by the way, do you know how old we are? The rovers must be shriveled anyway. And my dangleberries definitely are. So he's like, God, what? What are you talking about? And God says, I'm glad you think like that, and I'm glad your body is as good as dead. Because you're going to see the resurrection and the life. You're going to see me bring life out of deadness. And that's what God wants to do. What's dead in your life? What's dead in your life and poisoning the stream of your life now? It died down, but it's still poisoning you now. That's, that death has got to be cut off because God wants to bring life. Who's, who's ever made a mistake here? Anybody? Yeah, just roll. Ignore this lot. They're, all, they're, they're dead, right? And shriveled. They're dead. But you're, 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 you're with me, you see. Who's ever made a mistake? Who's, who's ever got things wrong? And we sometimes live in the past. We're living in death. And God wants to get us to live in life. And there's times where we've got to just commit it to God once and for all and say, right, God, I'm on it. I want to live. God brings life out of dead things. He said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 27-27 chapters, these chapters are amazing, and he said, what do you see, Ezekiel? He said, I see a valley of dry bones. And God asked him a question, can these bones live? And he says, you alone know. It's a great answer that when you don't know. And God's asking you a question. You alone know, God. You're so wise. <laughs> and God said, speak to the bones and command them to live. And he did, and the bones took on sinews and, and uh, flesh, and they stood up and they became an army. And God wants to speak into global. Whatever's dead in global, and he wants to command us to, to, to rise up. Leave the deadness behind. Rise up. Why? Because we've got work to do. There are things that God has got lined. We're making disciples. We're reaching cities. We're uh, transforming and, and, and reaching nations. So, you know, we've got work to do. Let God bring life out of dead things. So God's about to bring life out of two old dimmers. And, uh, you know, they're swapping the false teeth. It's your turn to wear them. But God meets them at the point of need. And he meets them at the point of impossibility. What is an impossible situation in your life at this moment in time? God is stood at the other side of impossible, waiting for you to make that step of faith. And just saying, I'm trusting you, God. And everyone else is laughing. I'm going to get a business going. They're going, what, you, business? You can't even keep your day job. I, 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 I know. It's a good point. Well made. But I have this in my heart. I have it, it's not there. It's there. That's right. I have it in me. It's there. Yeah, it's in my heart. And people are, you're pathetic. You're pathetic. No, keep believing. Because sometimes we are pathetic. But God sees the potential. And he calls it out. And we sing that song. Call me out upon the waters. It doesn't mean a lot if you're not the, part of the initiated crew. But we know that Peter asked Jesus, is that you walking on the water? And he said, yeah. And he said, if it is you, call me out. And Jesus went, Tom, Peter's going. And he climbed down from the boat. It wasn't a little boat. He climbed down from the boat. And the winds and the waves were going all over it. Sure. He ignored all that. Why? Because God had spoken. He ignored his circumstances, stepped out on the water, and he's like, flipping out. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can we do that? Oosh. And he's walking on the water. And then he realizes he's in a storm, and he's like, oh, I'm in a storm. All of a sudden, the magic went. 
And that's happened to somebody here. The magic's gone. You've stepped out in faith and it was working, it was working, and then it's all gone wrong and you're sinking. And the magic's gone. You think God's left you. No, he hasn't. And it says that, that Peter cried out and he said, Jesus, save me. And Jesus grabbed hold of him. Why? Because he's never left him. How, how do you walk on water and somebody's sinking and you grab hold of them and pick them up? How do you do that? You see, you've got to leave logic and science to one side. The great in their place. But when you're exercising faith, these two things are useless. They're like glass hammers. Do you know what I'm saying? They're like chocolate fire guards. Can you see the comedian in me now? I'm amazing, really, when I think about it. Why don't I just sit down and just say, Bruce, we're finished. Because I've got loads more to say. Absolutely loads more to say. So can I get back to this script that I've been promising you? And I've took you a merry dance. We've walked on water. We've had kids. We've shriveled up. Anyway. <laughs> it says about Abraham, he staggered not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He believed not his circumstances. He believed God's word. And that's what we're called to do. The Bible is full of God's promises. And, and when you read it, you've got to find the promise that goes with your situation. And you say, I'm having that. Yeah. And then you, you, you start to speak that promise out until it becomes real in your life. And then the miracle begins to happen. So I want to teach you how to have miracles. Anybody want a miracle? Yeah. I need a miracle. In Lancashire, we spell it M-E-R-C-L-E. You know, miracle, not, not miracle. Strong in faith. That's what Romans 4.20 says. Ephesians 6.10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord in, and in his mighty power. Why? Because you'll need strength to overcome sickness. You'll need strength to overcome financial lack. You'll need strength to overcome relationships that are going, going wrong. And you feel like giving up, but you've got to keep going. You'll, you need to be strong. Otherwise, you'll lose it. And you know, when you get sick, or when money's not there, and bills are piling up, the enemy will come and he will intimidate you. He will torment you. And he will intimidate you, and you will back off, and you will run back to logic, and making it happen your way. That's why I want, you to, I want to train you and to teach you how to be strong in faith and strong in the Lord. And you can't be strong in the Lord until you're strong in faith. That one comes first. And then you're strong in the Lord. And if you, had to, if you had to carry on in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about being attacked by the devil. And he says, having done all, to stand. And some days we don't make progress. We're just able to stand in God's mighty power. That's what it says in Ephesians 6. Stand in God's mighty power. And during the credit crunch, there were times when all I could do was stand. I wasn't making progress but I weren't flipping back, I just stood. And Shelley's my witness, and I felt like a, a little baby sometimes. I'm just thinking, I felt as weak as a kitten. But having done all, to stand. I can't make it happen with finances. I pray, and it just seems to be hitting the ceiling and bouncing back to me. But I, by faith, God's hearing me. By faith, I'm not on my own. By faith, God's making a way where there is no way. By faith, by faith, by faith. And you just stand. And your mind feels like it's going to explode. But you just stand. 
and then one day you wake up and the, 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 the battle has gone. And you're thinking, it's gone. What's lifted? I don't know what's lifted. And what's happened is you've stood through the battle. And the battle now, you've overcome just by standing. God's fought on your behalf. And all of a sudden, you get that zippity doo da in your spirit. I can't think of anything better. zippity doo da zippity. I said, I said, I said, zip, I said, zip, I said, zip. You're trying to adapt for your generation, sorry. So developing strong faith. You have not, the Bible says, because you ask not. And we ask because we, we don't ask because we think God is busy. Who's ever thought that? He's a bit busy. He's got, all, he's got lots of things on, so I can't bring my stuff to him. And really, in the grand scheme of things, what, what's mine? It's not that big. You know, Lord, can you make me a billionaire by the time I'm 60? You know, he's got other things on his mind. That was meant to be a bit funny, but it really died. I'm taking it right out of my notes, that one. But if you come to him and know that he's a father and his, his provision, if you, if you had to ask him to, for everything that's in your heart and your friend's heart, it would be like taking a teaspoon to the ocean, and there's more than one ocean, but it would be like taking a teaspoon to the ocean and taking it out and saying, wow, that's amazing, and it's blown your life for the rest of your life, blown your mind, blown your life, blown your friend's life. You know, God is infinite. You know, when he rested on the seventh day, he didn't rest. He stopped creating. There's a difference. He didn't rest and go, Jesus, put kettle on. <laughs> he didn't do that. He thought, I've, I've done that. Tomorrow, tomorrow, we've got to get up early because tomorrow we're going to do the hills and the mountains. <laughs> it wasn't. Theologians say that the language used is, because it says, let there be like God spoke. But he spoke, but just in thinking, it would have happened. And, and in thinking, and when he spoke and when he thought, there was no energy lost. We don't understand that, but God is God. We don't understand how great he is, how magnificent he is. And so when you start to get hold of that, and that was Jesus' frustration. When they asked Jesus, I told you last week, they brought a guy who had a son, with a, with a demon, and the, the, he'd ask the disciples, can you, uh, you know, will you cast it out? They couldn't cast it out. So he tells this story to Jesus, and Jesus sighs, and he's going, how long must I be with you? Frustrated. And he's saying, bring him to me. And he, uh, uh, the, the guy said, if you can, will you help us? If you can. Jesus going, if I can. He actually asked, asked him that, if I can. And the, the, the force of the text is, is, that, is that Jesus is frustrated because they're asking him for such little things. That's the force of the text. I used to think he's going, oh, you have little faith. It, it's, it's not that. If you get to the, to, the, to the heart of it, he's saying, I've got so much, and you ask me for so little. And when you start to get hold of that, you, the how much more passages in the Bible, you know, you being evil know how to give good gifts. How much more will your, your heavenly Father give you gifts? How much more? How much more? God sent his only son. We only had one and he sent him to die on a cross for us. And he says, how will he not along with him freely, freely, freely give us all things? Not some things, but all things. When you get to know how big God is 
And there's so much, honestly, what you should be doing is saying, right, well, bring it on, let's test it out. That's what we should be doing. And we don't want to go, well, don't want to be too greedy. Will you please shut up about greed? Will you please just be a little bit greedy? Just so that you've, you've got enough greed in you to prove that God will turn up. And then get even more greedy and just say, I'm, not, I'm trying not to be greedy, God, but, you know, I've seen a BMW car. It, you know, like, like, like. Let's get so greedy that God has to say, stop being greedy. Because so far, he's not saying stop being greedy, is he? We're saying it. He's not saying that. He's thinking, you've got to start getting the pump going first before I get you to, to stop. Do you know what I'm saying? So we've got to say our big God is. So last week, we got to one scripture in Genesis chapter 1. Actually, we did two, Genesis chapter 2 as well. So let me just go through some scriptures. Just to put a foundation in your heart, a, a, a scriptural foundation in your heart to stand on. 1 Timothy, God, uh, sorry, the Apostle Paul writing God's words to a, a young church planter. And he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly, everyone says richly, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Eh? That's Paul wanting, wanting to put the fun back into fundamentalism. It's like, how many preachers talk about God wanting you to enjoy things? It's more like God wants you to endure things. But he wants us, God loves chirpy people. He loves happy people. Jesus, the happiest person who ever lived. You read Matthew chapter 5 when it's blessed are the cheesemakers. What it really means is not like blessed. It means happy. There's certain, certain interpretations of the word blessed. In, in Matthew 5, Jesus uses the word happy. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people revile you and say all bad things about you. He says, what? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Come on. Happy are you when you're poor. <laughs> Everyone else will pay. Sorry, that was my version. So I'm uh, <laughs> losing it a bit here. So God wants us, put your hope in, in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's beautiful. Come on, church. We've got to get a right picture of God. He's not a sulking God who's angry every time you sin. He's like a dad who never sees you sin. He's like a dad who can smell smoke coming in from bedroom windows. From, you know, you're having a crafty fag out that window, wind's blowing it round to your dad's bedroom window. And you're thinking you're being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dad never says anything. And the dad knows, but he don't say anything. Why? Because he's not a nitpicker. And God's not a nitpicker. Ask of me, Psalm 2. God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. That should be the cry that comes out of global because we want to plant in every nation. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the uppermost parts of the earth as your possession. That's beautiful. I'll just look at the bottom end of Spain. <laughs> you, know, you pray for somewhere else for that. That's just beautiful place. Romans chapter 8, 32. Here we go. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? God, you are so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake 
he became poor so that through his poverty, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Oh, we're getting it up there. That's great. You're getting it in stereo. <laughs> anyway. Now, people interpret that rich, that you might become rich as like spiritually rich. You know, before you were spiritually barren, but now you're spiritually rich. Can you say I'm showing you? Because that's where they are. They're right, a bunch of fairies, these people. No, it means rich means rich. Rich means like more than enough, or like more than more than enough. Like vulgar rich. Who's ever been, who'd love to be vulgar rich? What's that, what's that, what's that phrase from that film? That kind of rich when they go into, pretty woman, they go into the shop, and how much money do you want to spend? An obscene amount, that was it. An obscene. There's going to be a day when I spend an, ob an obscene amount of money. And I want you to have that day when you spend an obscene amount of money. Not giving to the poor, but spending it on yourself. So that's selfish. No, let's, we never think like that. You've got to start thinking like that. Because everybody goes on religious mode. Well, I'll just get some money to give to the poor. Will you please just shut up? Because that's just stereotypical Christianity. That's not revelation from God who says, Dave, I want you to feed and clothe, say, 20,000 kids and feed them every day. Now, that's a vision. There's a guy we're going to listen to next weekend. He feeds, I think it's either 16 or 18,000 kids in Uganda every day. He has made more millionaires in Australia than anybody else. He was asked by his government to take on 400 uh, recovering addicts. And out of them 400, he had an 85% success rate, and 40, 50 of them became millionaires. He's awesome. And if you want to come, you can come. I've booked us on the conference, so you just need to let me know, and you can come. Find your way down, and Global will put you up in an hotel for the night. Listen, I feel like a life coach now. Did you hear that coming out? <laughs> It ain't seen moonlight, daylight, hold me tight, or any other kind of light. I'm not talking one day. I'm not talking two anyway. But it's true. It's true. Now, that's the vision. That's the vision. Feeding 18,000 kids every day. That's the vision. But that's where we go straight away when we've no money. And it's like, can you please spend some time learning how to make money? And, and stepping out in faith and having God in your business. And he gives you wisdom in your business to make money obscene amounts of money, loads of money, shed loads of money. Am I making a point here? I'm trying to break through the religious claptrap that's often in our minds. And the world tells the church how it should think. Well, you should have given that to the poor. You think, shut your mouth. You've nothing to do with the church. You go and carry on doing what you're doing. And we'll do what we're doing. Yeah? No money, no options. Little money, little options. Some money, some options. Lots of money, lots of options. Obscene amounts of money, the world's your oyster. <laughs> you see, you've no authority without money. And you think, yeah, you know, I'm going I'm to tell this devil what to do, I'm going to cast this deal. The devil's not intimidated until you start getting powerful. And, and most of, 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 of Jesus' teaching was about finances. Did you know that? Oh, it's gone quiet. I love my church. I could tell you Jesus said that the moon's made of green cheese and you'd all believe me. Because one of these days you're going to break open your Bible and read it for yourself and then you'll... But honestly, 
40, 40 instances where Jesus talked about prayer and fasting and 400 instances, 400, where he talks about investments and stuff like that. When you start, you've got to take the religious lens off when you read the Bible and put a new lens in. I'm trying to give you a new lens. And I had to do that 15 years ago. I had to put a new lens in of reading the Bible, and it shocked me. And I had to relearn. The, thing, the hardest thing to learn is the thing that you think that you know. And I'll say that again. The hardest thing to learn is the thing that you think that you know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I know that. I know that. No, you've got to revisit it again and then start to explain it to yourself. And I couldn't understand. You see, I think missionaries are better than the mafia. I do. How is it the mafia get all the money and the missionaries are always begging? doesn't make any sense to me. The missionaries keep praying for money and the mafia get it. I'm, I'm just being stark with you. The questions that I've had to answer in my own mind and I think, if I were God, I'd, I'd, I'd get the money to the missionary. I'm not saying God got the money to the mafia. I'm not saying that at all. I think they just took it. You know what I mean? But the point is this. For too long, we've talked about a poor church. And it's like, well, we're going to be like Jesus. He wasn't poor. He had an accountant. You can't, you can't, you, you, he, had, he had an entourage of about 70-odd people that he had to look after. Right, they were on the payroll. Now you start to get a better picture of, of what Jesus was like. You know, Mary and Joseph weren't skint. You know that first Christmas, oh, he was born in a manger, Jesus was born in a manger. But Mary and Joseph didn't go to a stable, they went to the hotel. Because they had the money to go to the hotel. Can you see, we've been living with stereotypes for too long. It's just that there was no room at the inn. And he said, well, my wife, just about to give birth. I mean, she'd gone 200 miles on a donkey. <laughs> Think about it. At the end of her pregnancy, <laughs> I think it's coming, Joseph. Oh, hold the bus. Hold the bus. Joseph's banging on doors. Is there anywhere that we can stay? Well, we've got a barn. That'll do. That'll do. Well, we swept it clean. It's really like just show she can get the hay in. Just, don't, I don't need explanation. She's just, Mary, are you all right, Mary? Come, 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 come. <laughs> Me, look, stand up. I don't know. Can I have a bath? No, you can't, Mary. Just have it in the manger. I want whale music. I'll be wailing. You just get on with it. <laughs> so here we go. Again, too much comedian. Let's bring it back to the prophet again. Eh? Let's bring it back in. So, oh, we've got to get going. Where am I? Where am I now? I lose myself. I enjoy it so much. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. God gives us faith. He gives us the ability to have faith. And you don't get, uh, you don't get faith by instruction or education. And you know, when we preach and teach, we're instructing and we are educating. But that doesn't necessarily produce faith. That produces information. And so it tells us what to believe. But we need the other side of, of impartation and inspiration that moves the heart to believe what we, what we think about, about God. And so, so it's now, so education tells us what to believe 
and then inspiration and impartation enable us to believe. So the difference is this, it's moving from believing in God to believing God. So when you believe in God, it's like, yeah, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-existent, been there from eternity to eternity, and the Son became a man, came, you know, he was the Word, the Logos, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was, was with God, and the Word was God, all things were created through him and by him, and nothing else was created that hasn't been created through him, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and he came to that which was his own, and his own received him not. But to them that received him, he gave them the, uh, the ability or the power, the authority to become a son or a children of God. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, all that is the right stuff and believing the right things. Now then, when you step out in faith, it's like saying, so God, I believe that you wanted me to go for this property. So I'm stepping out in faith now and I'm going for it. Now that's a different thing. You don't need more instruction. You don't need more information. You need the boldness and the bottle to go with it. And that's what this kind of faith is that I'm talking to you about. It's a living faith. And so many people believe things about God. They believe, they believe in God, but I'm talking about believing God. Where, God, if you don't turn up, I'm stuck. But God works all sorts of miracles in our lives. And I want a church that's got a faith that's alive and a faith that works for us instead of us working for it. Yeah. And too many people are trying to pr prove God to people and you're like saying, just, just relax a little bit. Let's let God prove himself to us. Not just when we became Christians and you got that first illumination of, wow, that aha moment, God, you are real. And the regeneration power in your heart, your sins forgiven and you knew it, guilt had gone cleanness had come into your heart, a different story, a new power had come into your life to overcome sin, to resist temptation, fantastic well that dies off after a while, we get used to that and we get used to little miracles who's ever prayed for a car parking space I prayed for one the other day <laughs> surely we're laughing around, I've prayed for one and I get on, I'm like, you're alright Jesus I found one, yeah it's amazing isn't it <laughs> can you imagine God going and a live faith where when you come to church you're waiting for the next installment almost and I know we sell feeders we want to feed ourselves during the week but you know man cannot live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and, and, and we need to be daily you know listening for God to speak and watching for God to move when you pray watching for God for him to pray in the, in the situation from the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.